You're trying to fill the emptiness with something, but Trent Griffith wonders, is it really enough? Is there a hunger in your soul? Are you trying to feast on the junk food of the world, the money, the entertainment, the movies, the sex, the drugs? All of that stuff is never gonna satisfy. Jesus is enough to satisfy every time. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, we all have desires. That's normal. But where are we turning to get our deepest longings met? That's a question that we're going to explore today on Resonate. You know, pop music can be good at recognizing a problem, can it? But usually not too helpful about offering a solution. Here's just two examples. First, in the mid-60s, the Rolling Stones came out with I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It was an instant hit and has since been recorded by a lot of other artists. Songwriters Keith Richards and Mick Jagger captured that sense of looking for something they weren't finding. Then, in the late 80s, U2 sang this. The song described that search for something to fill the void. Even the melody represented the feeling of longing and dissatisfaction. Well, we could go on and on all day, couldn't we? Playing song after song that expresses unfulfilled desires. I think that's because unfulfilled desires are common to everyone. We all know what it's like to never quite have enough. Well, today on Resonate, Pastor Trent will show us the solution to that dissatisfaction. In fact, it's the only real solution. We'll review some highlights from last week, and then he'll finish up the message. So let's listen together. Here's Pastor Trent. Disciples, whether it's these 12 disciples or these disciples that have gathered here at Gospel City Church, disciples of Jesus must continually be reminded of their inability to meet the spiritual needs all around them. If you are not reminded of your inability, you will be tempted to become proud, arrogant, independent, self-sufficient. And Jesus calls them aside to remind them of that truth. Look at verse 11. And when the crowds learned it, they learned that Jesus had taken them out of public ministry and set them on the shelf over here in a private place. The crowds learned it. They followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. And now the day began to wear away, and the twelve... Interesting. Do you see the word twelve there? Why does Luke now refer to them as the twelve? Earlier in verse 10, he referred to this group of disciples as the apostles, and now he gives them another nickname, the twelve. Just underline that. 
That's significant. And it won't be the last time you see that in this passage. It says, The twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. So these disciples were aware of these crowds of people. We're going to find out later. It was 5,000 men plus women. If they all had a wife, that's 10,000. Plus children. If they all had two children, what's... I lost track of the math there, but anyway, something like 10,000, 20,000 people, something like that, somewhere in between that. So these people were pressing in on the disciples. The disciples are immediately aware that these are hungry people. And they are also aware of their inability to feed them. They are out of resources. Now remember, These are the same 12 uh, disciples that were just performing miracles and slapping down demons and curing people of all their diseases. And Jesus has now put them in the middle of a situation they can't solve without him. Welcome to the world of discipleship. Jesus will often put disciples in a place where he asks them to do stuff they have no ability to to do, so that they will become aware of their dependence on Jesus. Here's the second thing. Disciples of Jesus must learn miracles happen when they give what they have to Jesus. Disciples of Jesus learn miracles happen when they give what they have to Jesus. Look at verse 13. But Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. All right, you got the picture here? There's 20,000 hungry people pressing in on them. And they come to Jesus and like, Jesus, you need to send these people away. Because we don't have what it takes to feed them. And Jesus looks them in the eye and says two words. You give Those two words have gripped my heart this week. As a matter of fact, I've just kind of scrubbed out the pronoun you and written Trent, give. You should do that in your Bible too. Except don't put my name in there. Put your name in there. (laughs) Jesus is calling you to give. And so many times we think it, it's like we don't, I don't, I mean, I would if I had, but I don't have, so I can't give. But I know somebody who has, so they should give. Jesus, do you know about this person? Do you want me to go talk to this person about the the need? I I could really maybe motivate them to give. And Jesus looks at the people that don't have what they need and tells them to do what they can't do. You give. I mean, They looked at the crowd and they had three options. Like, um, we can send them away or we can go buy food with money we don't have to feed these people. But they never considered the third option. That with Jesus, they could do what they otherwise could not do. And Jesus is calling the disciples in this room to do the same thing. Notice what happened. It says, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. 
unless we go and buy food for all the people. And there were about 5,000 men and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in small groups. That's why we're doing small group leader training. Uh, so he puts them in smaller groups of about 50 each. And, when, and, and they did so and had them all sit down and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. He said a blessing over them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Do you notice how specific the sequence is in all of that? It has very specific meaning. Here's what we need to understand from this passage. As a disciple of Jesus, I need to understand Jesus is not limited by what I have. Did you notice how the first thing the disciples did was they took inventory of what they have? I've met so many people as you begin to have this conversation with people about this discipleship journey of giving out of what we have to meet the needs of the spiritually hungry. And for a lot of people, that is a major step forward in their relationship with Jesus because then it becomes tangible, right? When you actually put what you have in the hand of Jesus, man, that really is an external evidence of an internal faith that I am trusting Jesus because I'm given something I actually have And I'm trusting that in the future, he's gonna give me what I need. That's a spiritual discipleship journey that we're all on. And if you've never begun that process, here's the first step. The first thing you need to do is take inventory of actually what you have. So I I would love to have a conversation with you. Do you know what you have? I mean, do you know everything you have? Do you know everything you have in the garage? Do you know everything you have in the closet? Do you know everything you have in a checking account, savings account, CDs, IRAs, I don't know, retirement, all these different things? They're, they're, in this room, I mean, there's ordinary people in this room. I don't think there's a lot of millionaires in this room, but there are millions of dollars of assets in this room. The question is, do we even know what we have Sometimes we don't know what we have because we're so focused on what we don't have. And we use the excuse that I can't give because I don't have. These disciples says, oh, here's what we have. We got five loaves and two fish. But of course, that's not enough because there's 20,000 people out there. And I don't even think we can break the bread in small enough pieces to get everybody a bite. And yet Jesus said, bring it here, put it in my hand, and he multiplied it. Jesus is not limited by what I have. There are people in this room, I'm looking at some people that are like just starting out, your college students or maybe your, your, your high school students. Listen, don't ever think that giving is somebody else's responsibility. It's not about meeting the need as much as it It's a need for you to give, to learn, to pry your fingers loose of the things that God has given you so that we can express our reliance and dependence upon him. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're a regular attender of Gospel City Church, if you're a citizen of the Gospel City, then throw in to meet the need because this place exists to meet the need of the spiritually hungry people in our community, including the people that have gathered here today. Jesus is not limited by what I have. And we need to understand that Jesus does not need what I have. 
we think that somehow, well, I'm really going to help Jesus out. You know, I'm going I'm to throw in this week. Listen, are you aware of the fact that everything you have was given to you by Jesus? It really all belongs to him. And anytime you give, anything you put in his hand is just putting back in his hand that which rightfully belongs to him anyway. So why does he want me to give? Why did he want the disciples to give? Because he was inviting them to participate in the work that he was doing in the world. So they had five loaves, two fish. How many of you believe Jesus could have pulled off the miracle with three loaves and one fish? How many of you believe that Jesus could have pulled it off with no loaves and one fish? How many believe Jesus could have done it with like a little minnow? How many believe Jesus didn't even need the minnow? I mean, just didn't need what they had. He could have performed this miracle without them. He could have bypassed them. But he wanted them to participate by giving what they had. And he wants you to participate by giving what you have. And when you give what you have and you participate in what Jesus is doing, you can rejoice and celebrate. This is one of the most famous stories in the Bible, right? You've heard this. You've been to vacation Bible school. You've been to Sunday school, right? You've heard this story, right? So this story appears in four different places in the Bible. And one of those stories gives us a little bit more detail. And most of you know what the detail is. In John chapter six, verse nine, it actually tells us there was a little boy there who had five loaves and two fish. So where did the disciples get the five loaves and the two fish? One of two options. Either they robbed the little boy or the little boy gave to the disciples so the disciples could give to Jesus. And so do you understand there's two miracles that happened in this story? The second miracle is the feeding of the 5,000. The first miracle is that there was a 12-year-old boy that pried his hands off of some of his stuff. How many of you have met a 12-year-old boy? How many of you know this is not instinctive? Giving is a learned behavior. And that's why last week when we had vacation Bible school and we had a bunch of kids in the room, we had four, four, it seemed like 4,000, 400 kids who took over every square foot of this facility with 150 volunteers pouring Jesus into them all week long. We stopped every night and we encouraged them to get their eyes on the spiritual needs beyond us. We told them about this uh, organization that we partner with as a church called Africans Reaching Africa. And there's a bunch of pastors that are being trained over there at our sister churches, Harvest Bible Chapel sister churches there that are actually being sent out into Northern Africa, a Muslim controlled area closed to people that look like us, but open to people that look like them. And these guys are going in there and they're preaching the gospel and they are planting churches. And we told these children about them. We encouraged them to give. Would you want to give? Meet the spiritual need over there. And so for the first, do you know what happened? The first time in the history of Gospel City Church, the boys beat the girls in giving. I think, I think next week we're going to have a little contest between the boys and the girls in this room about who can give the most, who sees the spiritual needs and who wants to put that in Jesus' hands. Jesus doesn't need what you have, but understand this. Here's the reason why some of you won't give it. Jesus will break what you have. You say, what do you mean? Did you notice the sequence? The little boy gave it to the disciples. The disciples gave it to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He lifted it up, gave it to the Father, and then 
broke it. It's a picture of what Jesus does every time I give. He's breaking my addiction to my stuff. He's breaking my reliance on self. He's breaking the myth that this stuff will satisfy me. And that's one of the reasons we don't give is because we're so addicted and we don't want Jesus to break it. We think we need it so much. Listen, some of you are being broken right now and you're wondering, what is Jesus doing? Why don't I have a job? Why am I overpaid? Why am I going through this trial? You know what he's doing? He's breaking you so he can use you. Brokenness is a prerequisite for usefulness. And once you have been broken, do you know what Jesus does with broken stuff? He multiplies it. Jesus will multiply what I have when I place it in his hand. This is the belief of a disciple. Jesus can do more with my stuff than I can do it if I keep it for myself. You believe that? That Jesus will multiply what I have and I can trust him to do more with it than what I could do? Do you know that Gospel City Church is a miracle? Some of you that have been around for a long, you, you know this, you've had a front row seat of watching Jesus multiply the stuff around here. And uh, we're just trying to keep up with all the stuff that Jesus is multiplying. Some of you are new and I just, I just wanna kind of invite you into the story. If this is now your church, you kind of need to know this story. You need to be able to tell this story because what you are a part of is a miracle. Do you know when we planted this church it was the fall of 2008. Does anybody remember what was going on in the economy in the fall of 2008? Everything was drying up. And that was the point at which a few dozen people just kind of threw in what they had, no millionaires in that group, just kind of faithful. And it was like, here, we believe there needs to be a, a Christ-exalting, Bible-preaching, unapologetic, a church in this area and they gave. And by the time Andrea and I showed up to that little group, there was $35,000 in the bank and just, just faithful, just throwing it in, just believing God's going to use this. God's going to multiply it. Do you know what God's done with that $35,000? He's multiplied it. And some of you are here experiencing the multiplication of what a few people gave as loaves and fish. We spent all that money on portable church equipment and, and bought a stage and we rented North Point Elementary School and started meeting on a basketball gym floor and, and people began to come, things began to multiply and then we got a call from a church that used to meet on this property, Cornerstone Community Church and they had kind of dwindled down to about 50 people. We'd grown to about 400 people over there at North Point Elementary School and they called us up and they said, hey, we have property but no people. You have people, but no property. What if we gave what we had and these two churches became one? I wonder what would happen if we did that. And they did. And look at what happened. Things have multiplied and we've planted five churches. I spent Monday all day with Pastor Jamie Maxim. Jamie was our church planter that we sent up to plant our campus in St. Joseph, Michigan, about 40 minutes away, which has now become an autonomous church. And you know what Jamie told me on Monday? 
he told me the story about how there was this little church in their community, Lakeshore Baptist Church, and they had dwindled down to about 50 people. And they called up Pastor Jamie and they said, hey, you have people, but no property. And we have property, but no people. What if we put these two things together and maybe God would multiply it. And so those two churches have now become one under uh, our church and Pastor Jamie there, Harvest Lakeshore is its name now. And there is multiplication of disciples going on in that community. And even this morning over in Elkhart, we're multiplying what God is doing here out there. And they're trusting God. They're like, when's that gonna happen for us? Where are the loaves and the fish? And, and more things are happening that I could even tell you about. You see the expansion of facilities around here and all the construction. This church is a miracle and you're a part of it. Are you a part of it? Because you are given the loaves and the fishes? See what the Lord would do if you would place what you have in his hands. You say it's not enough. Of course it's not enough. But Jesus can multiply it. And he's been doing it ever since we began this church. Be a part of the miracle. Because the reality is Jesus is asking for what I have. It's an opportunity to be a part of the miracle. Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. And he wants to partner with you to do stuff you can't do by yourself. Here's the last thing. Disciples of Jesus are satisfied knowing Jesus is more than enough. Do you believe that? Notice the last verse. Look at verse 17. And they all ate and were satisfied. Underline that word satisfied. They all ate. They didn't have room for another Krispy Kreme donut. They were just completely full. I can't take another bite. I have all that I'm, I, I can handle. That's how Jesus gives to us. And then notice it says this. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Why 12? One for every disciple. Peter, here's your basket. John, here's your basket. Thomas, even though you're doubting, here's your basket. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt me? I satisfy every time. There's a theologian named William Guthrie. He said this, when the believer looks in faith to Jesus Christ, he says, less would not satisfy, but nothing more could ever be desired. If you could take a laser pointer and just point it on one of those loaves, in this story, think about the traveling that one of these loaves did. First of all, Jesus gave the loaf. He created the grain and the barley and he gave that. He placed it into the hand of the little boy. The little boy placed the loaf in the hands of the disciple. The disciple placed it in the hands of Jesus. Jesus placed it in the hands of the father the father gave it back to Jesus. Now, at this point, you would have expected Jesus to walk over to the crowds and start handing out the, the loaf, but he didn't do that. 
Jesus took the loaf, broke it, and then put it back in the hand of the disciples and told the disciples to go put it in the hands of the people. And at the end of the story, they went back and the people put the leftovers back in the hands of the disciples. Notice who the leftovers are for. The leftovers are not for Jesus. The leftovers are for us. If you come to my house, you're the honored guest. I'm not gonna feed you leftovers. We give leftovers to the kids. We're the kids. We get the leftovers. But here's the incredible thing about the gospel. Jesus' leftovers satisfy every time. It's the only thing that satisfies the hunger of your soul. And if you've never come to Jesus, your soul will never be satisfied, no matter how much you have. Is there a hunger in your soul? Are you trying to feast on the junk food of the world, the money, the entertainment, the movies, the sex, the drugs? All of that stuff is never gonna satisfy. Jesus is enough to satisfy every time. You believe that? That's the fight, that's the struggle of every disciple. We have to be reminded of it. We have to be taught it. It's a learned behavior. But Jesus satisfies every time. Why don't you stand with me right now and bow your heads. And I'm just gonna give you a moment to let that wrestling match continue. The fight is to believe what you've heard. Everything this world is gonna tell you this week is Jesus is not enough. You've got to be self-reliant. Just get bigger, stronger, faster. Just make more money. Just get more friends, have more influence. It'll never satisfy. Without Jesus, it'll never be enough. But with Jesus, no matter how little you have, you'll always have enough. Jesus, thank you for reminding us of this truth. And honestly, we just feel like little pimple-faced kids coming with what we have. And it sure doesn't seem like much. Yet by faith, we believe you can do so much more with it than what we would ever be able to do with it ourselves. And God, I pray for those that have never even started this journey. Would you, would you give them such a generous heart that they would wanna be part of the miracle that you're doing here? Lord, I do pray for miraculous things to happen, even in relationships and finances, sickness and health. And so many people need you. And yet the greatest miracle would be for you to come and meet the spiritual needs all around us. Use our church to meet the need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Realizing that Jesus is truly enough is the key to the best kind of satisfaction. We've been listening to Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. And hey, breaking news, Gospel City Church is resuming in-person worship gatherings on July 5th with brand new service times in a brand new worship center. So join us at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sunday, July 5th on Hickory Road in Granger, Indiana for a glorious celebration. You can find all the details for this gathering at mygospelcity.org together. Again, that's mygospelcity.org together. So do you like going on treasure hunts? 
where you have to follow the clues until you find the treasure? Well, that's sort of how Pastor Trent starts his message next week. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word and the true satisfaction of Jesus would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.